Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at btosports.com and click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast, Muddy Creek Wrap-Up. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. BTOsports.com, the nation's leading retailer for anything you need for your bike or body. Use the code PULPAMX when you're checking out to save big time with those folks, OEM parts, and anything you need, they got it, bike or body. Foxhead.com, this podcast presented by Fox Racing. Uh, Foxhead.com, Dungy Rocks, and just some of the guys that wear uh, Fox. And, of course, uh, Global Innovation Leader in Motocross Racewear. Some of the coolest stuff around. Their new Flex Air stuff they just debuted. Uh, lightweight, cool, vented. And, uh, yeah, check it out, Foxhead.com. So thanks to BTOsports.com and Fox Racing for uh, making this pod happen. Of course, I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line is my boss, RacerX Online Editor, live from Indianapolis at the KTM Dealer Show. The voice of American motocross, the Jason Wygant. Yeah. Very excited. How's Indy? How's that going? Uh, it was really cool. They had uh, they, uh, KTM hired Troy Adamitis, he of the uh, long-lost original mm-hmm. uh, Supercross Behind the Dream shows, uh, to put together these really cool videos about KTM. They actually had their business meeting tonight, but instead of actually discussing any numbers, pie charts, graphs, anything like that, like they usually do, they just had these Adamitis videos, which were just unbelievable, um, which basically they just tied in how KTM used to suck so bad, the only presence they had in Supercross was the KTM Junior Supercross Challenge, and then they realized that all the riders in that dreamed of were being like a Honda rider or a Suzuki rider, because mm-hmm. all the good riders were actually not on KTMs. Right. And then they finally bring it full circle. This is, a, I think, 30 minutes worth of videos. And then they show a kid like going up to Dungey's bike after Dungey's won the title at doing the KTM Junior Supercross Challenge. And they're like, we finally now are a brand that you can be with for life. You, you can ride a KTM as a kid, and you can aspire to stay on one through your entire life. We finally made it go full circle. And you're like, huh, never thought about it that way. It's really cool. Did they uh, happen to catch uh, any uh, you know, major highlights for KTM over the years, uh, major accomplishments? Anything captured in that film, like, say, uh, the first ever um, AMA pro race they ever won? Yeah, they talked about a lot of big ones. Uh, you know, Langston finally winning that 125 national title. Dungey winning that first Supercross. Mm-hmm. Uh, their uh, dominance off-road with Yuha Salmonen. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of big moments. Nothing about the f- time that they won an AMA national for the very first time in America? Was that Rhino, or was that Langston, or... no. Nope. Nope. Huh. No, no mention of any of that. Hmm. It's interesting. No, no video footage. It was probably a mud race. You know, anybody can win those. Those assholes. How could they turn their back on Kelly Smith and Steve Mathis dominating High Point in 2000? How could they? 
Uh, Davey did throw in a cursory mention. He did mention Kelly Smith winning their first national. He did mention that. It wasn't on in the videos. Mm-hmm. It was not mentioned by any KTM officials. But Davey and I were on stage, and he did throw that in there. No mention of you, though. Also on the line, he's the new media darling in the world. Uh, videos, uh, he's on doing pre-race shows. He's live announcing at the track. He's doing these podcasts. He wrote a KTM. Top Jimmy Albertson. What's up, Jimmy? Why don't you introduce me as um, Jason Wigan's employee, if um, he, if you're introducing him as your boss. Yeah, no, he's awesome. I, I technically yeah. work for him, too. We all work for Jason Wigan. <laughs> we do. Wow. We do. Um, I did not realize the power I have. Everybody. Wigan. Everybody who has a dirt bike. Nothing in that KTM video about those four months that Albertson wrote him? Nothing in there? Lots uh, uh, it's relatively new. I don't think they were able to get the footage yet. Oh, okay. All right. It was only last year. Right. Yeah. I'm never going to live that down. <laughs> um, I, seriously, nothing about High Point. No video, nothing. No mention. It was no. a mud race, dude. No one cares. Bro, it wasn't that muddy, okay? It was a mud race in the first moto, pretty bad. Second moto dried out okay. Um that's like freaking, that's like, hey, where's the video of Jake Marsak? What did like, Jake Marsak ever do? He won a heat race. This is a national. Yeah. This is two motos. Two motos. No, po- yeah. Podium did at Daytona, that's motos? right. Yeah. One he did four. not win both motos. No, I'm just, went 1-4, Kelly Smith and Steve Mathis, 1-4 no, for the overall. I love Kelly, but I'm just saying, like. Well, that was the first ever KTM victory in America. At all, ever. When Davey threw like, the quick um, mention, I was thinking of grabbing the mic and saying, Mathis tuned. Oh, you should have. Oh, oh, my God, you should have. KTM information. So how about Grant Langston going to win the very first Supercross ever and then does, like, a trick and crashes, and then Husqvarna wins their first oh, yeah. Supercross race oh, yeah. ever. Uh, I, was on, I, was I was on the team then as well, and uh, that was a heartbreaker. You blew it. There, that was a heartbreaker. Um because yeah, I was just—they were just ribbing Langston about that for that uh, on Saturday. Bevo came over and was talking about it. Really? And uh, yeah, Langston—he didn't crash doing the one-hander. He crashed on the next no, jump. He, I know, but he did the one-hander before. He yeah, crashed. he, he yeah. Put, yeah, he got the hand on a handlebar and then crashed. But come on, you got to figure that it was. So no, no, no. He explained it. He said that there were ruts on the next jump, and he was hitting one rut every time. And then he did the one-hander and he landed. He was like, "Oh crap! I don't know where the rut is." And then he crashed. So, yeah, it was the one-hander. It's, like, yeah. it's like when Steve Cox took uh, Stewart out at Lakewood. <laughs> right. We, we don't argue with, with the fact. Cox, but it was a cameraman, so we're going to blame it on Steve Cox. Well, listen, if anyone from KTM's listening to this, you turned your back on me, and that's not cool. It's not cool. So, not happy about I don't know. Must, must not have been a big moment. Oh, it was brand. big. That's why, that's why I left know. him is because of that. We won the first ever race for KTM. And believe me, Salvarage was running, running the team back then. It was a shit show. It was a shit show, and we still won a national. So, <laughs> a lot people... of talk about Rod Bush and the, those days. And yeah, Rod, a lot of talk about that era. Rod hugged me. No way. Yeah, and then I also, too, remember from my KTM day, there was a motocross track five minutes from the, from the uh, place in Ohio. And uh, I rode... To the track after you know a long day of working or whatever, we'd go and do motos at the end of the day. And I did it one day and came back, and this old man was just yelling at me for riding across his grass. I didn't even know it was John. Turns out it was John Penton, and I'm like, this old man beat it, bro. And it was John Penton. So, wow, he wasn't too happy with me. Wow, 
Uh, get off my lawn. Yeah, get off, he literally was saying get off my lawn. John uh, Penton. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk Muddy Creek a little bit. Let's do that. Now, the 450 results aren't official. I have them on the screen, but they're, they're not the official results because of uh, Kyle Cunningham and Matt Lemoyne both got 14th in the first moto. So their AMA is trying to get to the bottom of that. I imagine they'll probably get to the bottom of it in a couple of years. So um, we're not really sure who got 14th. Because there was a 13th in and a 15th. Fi- all moto. I didn't notice that. Yeah, there was a 13th and a 15th on the, scoring sh- on the scoring sheet. So somebody is getting bumped out or whatever. But anyways, um, Jimmy, I'll start with you. Uh, I think that was the best prepped Muddy Creek I've seen. And this is the third year, right, Weege, of a national? Yep. In the three years, I think that was the best prep track. We've seen dust. We've seen hard pack. Uh, I've seen uh, just kind of so-so prep, and I don't know if it was the rain during the week or whatever, but I thought the track was awesome. I thought it turned out really great. Yeah, it was the best racetrack all season, I think. Um, I, You know, I had Roxon pick to win the race on Saturday, and then after I watched the very first unseated practice, I we did our um, we did our pre-race show, and I heard that switch. So I was like, yeah, nope, this is Dungey's track today. It's not as deep. Not going to get quite as rough. Mm-hmm. Be able to sit down a little bit more, have his style, and he was he was he was good. He was definitely the fastest 450 dude yesterday. What was the secret for the track prep? Was it rain during the week? That just amount right right amount of rain or no, like, like, what was flood the track? It wasn't muddy for first practice. Okay, so it was it was you more know, of like, prep. I mean, it, it's it's good that the track the bikes need to come off muddy. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but it doesn't need to be muddy to wherever the you know, after the first practice, the freaking there's just straight up ruts everywhere on the straightaways, downsides of the jumps. It's it was muddy in the morning, but mm-hmm. still like yeah. it took till if you notice the track kept on getting. It, it did never get to that breaking point in practice. Like all the time stayed pretty equal from first practice to second practice, mm-hmm. and that's when you know the track's going to be good. Like all the other tracks, like the yeah. practice was so different because the track was just getting so beat up because it was so soft and deep and muddy that I know it sounds stupid, but it's almost like sometimes you can ride the, the track a little bit. I don't know. It is, I guess my point being said is they just need to kind of chill on the water sometimes and, <laughs> and let the track actually get right. dry a now, little bit. Now, Weege, I happen to notice, I thought, more extensive dozer work on the track than I'd seen at the first three rounds. And I don't know if you want me to say this or not, or maybe I shouldn't say this on the podcast, or, or I, I didn't really clear this with you, but some riders... We know you're gonna. Oh, okay. Some riders had been saying that the tracks are too rough, right? A few guys. And right. So do you... Th- was I imagining things? Did a protocol sort of change, or was it just, you know, anything that you can say officially? Do we know? or like Because it did seem like the dozer was out more so than I'd seen it. I was told uh, that a protocol will not change and has not changed, but uh, it did look like it changed as far as uh, I, I didn't I didn't see the dozers out there like you. I don't get that vantage point. I'm yeah. stuck in the TV truck, but it did seem like the track seemed like that, like it was nipped and tucked, and the ruts weren't nearly as bad as they've been in years past. That's probably more with the watering and what Jimmy's talking about. Yeah. But I was told that uh, the protocol didn't change. But one thing is, I think that, on the other hand, uh, Hangtown and Lakewood being the way they were, 
a lot of that had to do with rain and not that they were purposely making them that way. Mm-hmm. I know there was rain leading up to this race, but it didn't seem to have the same impact. So I think it might just be as much as Hangtown and Lakewood got worse than they expected them or wanted them to be, and this is where they would want all of them to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, maybe it's just that way. Yeah. Absolutely. So Yeah. I, know. I noticed, too, like they were – I think after they figured out when they'd water it on the first lap or before they, they'd send motos off how slippery it was. So a lot of those sections they'd just track over with the dozer or, you know, you know, run a quick disc in just because it got rid of some of the slick spots on it. Um, because, man, I watched the LCQs and they threw water down before that first 450 LCQ and it was like an ice skating rink. It was pretty bad, so mm-hmm. I think they were thinking, all right, some of the beginning sections, instead of just leaving them with puddles, maybe track them in so the guys have a little more traction. Right. Um, all right, let's go. Let's move on to the racing a little bit. Um, so Don Juan, uh, Kenny showed some some ability to uh, to you know get back to his old level by winning that second moto. But uh, Jimmy, I'll start with you. Like, what happened in that first moto to Kenny? What? Charging hard, catching Anderson, and then just around 20, 20, 25 minutes, he just hit a wall. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I actually, in this week's episode of Jimmy Talk, oh, pumping. I, yeah. I go, I dive pretty deep into, um, you know, some Ken Rocks and stuff. I actually get a good interview with him afterwards, and I just finally told him, like, look, everybody is questioning your moves that you've made lately with, um, you know, changing up with Alden and, and not working with him anymore and then switching over to, to Suzuki after being, you know, basically winning on the KTM and then just switching your whole program up and he straight up just dove right into everything. So you get everybody listening to this, make sure they check that out. But I think with Ken's deal, like he just wasn't quite comfortable. And when you're on a new bike that you're not used to testing with and not used to making changes, like it's tough, you know, you got to kind of, guess a little bit i mean you know he didn't probably get to do much outdoor testing leading in so i think his settings were maybe just a little bit off and especially riding you know not being able to really ride normal the last month with injuries you know your confidence quite isn't there and i think when he got that whole shot the second moto it was just like everything started clicking off for him but it's like comfort level is so crazy like with how you feel on the bike it's just some, it literally can switch between motos like that. And I've had it happen to where you just feel like a fish out of water the first moto and the second moto, you get a good start. And it's just like, all right, well, I guess I do remember how to ride a bike. And I think that's just what kind of happened with him. Weege, he can't, he can't keep doing this, though. I mean, he, he's got to start. Points. He's got to start putting points, Weege. On the board. Yeah, I mean, Dungey gained two on them this weekend, but really, even if they tie, you know, if they do one, two, two, ones of the overall, that's a huge victory for Dunge. It's just one more week less that uh, Kenny has to reel them in. And honestly, uh, I, I don't know, I don't want to use the word breakthrough. I don't know if we can go that far, but, you know, what cost him the overall was that he couldn't get Anderson in that first moto. Right. We've kind of been waiting all year to see if anyone could get close to either the Tomac, Roxanne, now that he's healthy, or Dungey group. And, uh, I mean, not only did Anderson hold him off, that wasn't just trivial. That He changed the overall. Mm-hmm. He would have not won that race if yeah. Anderson and didn't Anderson hold him off. And Anderson pulled so. away from him. You know, he had a yeah. shot at Anderson, oh, yeah. and Anderson just straight up. And then Anderson rode he off. He caught him quick. He, he was Anderson and Phil. Yeah, what about Anderson's ride in the second moto? 
phenomenal. It was he just yeah. way back there. He came he came to it was good. I mean, I need to see this again before I'm stamping that Anderson's the best of the rest and all that. You know, he could have just been on his day, but it's still good to see because we we've been talking about this like these two jerkies are just you know running away with it. So it's so yeah. funny that you say that because the other, I mean, who I think best of the rest is definitely it's Anderson and Baggett. Yeah. And um, those two guys have a lot of beef with each other, but I mean, those guys are – that's going to be your third-place fight every weekend. Yeah, I, uh, I, we wrote about this a couple weeks ago, and I, I still say Baggett would be the guy that's going to emerge. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. He is right now anyways. But if Anderson keeps that up and can get in the middle of those guys, hey, it'll get interesting too because he rides with Dungey down the, uh, down the street there in Florida. And there's no love loss with Roxon leaving and all that kind of stuff, a lot of stuff going on there, I'm sure. If Anderson can help Dunge near the end of the title chase, if he can get in there, it should be interesting to see. If that... I don't know if there's really any bad blood, though. Uh, but, you know, they want Dungey to win. Anderson would want Dungey to win, you know? Sure, sure. Um, but I don't think uh, – I think people get a little carried away with that. I don't think there's any heat between mm, Kenny and any of those guys. No, there, I think there no, is. No, I think there is. I don't know. I talked to Kenny, and he didn't. he said that him and Alden are still fine. Yeah, no, I think Kenny and Alden are still fine, but Kenny and Dunge, I think there's a little bit, little bit there. Yeah, that's well, just they're, they're, they're rivals. They're yeah, gonna, no, there's yeah. always going to be tension. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's so, com- competition. I don't think it's an Alden used no. to train there, does train yeah. everything. Uh, it's not like you ever saw Carmichael and Reedy growing down back in the day. Or uh, now, that, now they're, right. now they're guys, BFFs. You know? Now they're BFFs, right? It's funny how that works. Um yeah, that was uh, that was impressive by Anderson, and that's that second moto might have been more impressive. I mean, uh, let me, uh, I don't know if the stats are up because of the the scoring issue. Let me see what was Anderson after lap one. Oh uh, yeah, he was twenty second, so twenty second to fourth, and you know he was further back than twenty two, uh, all the way to fourth. Guy was on fire. So you want to talk about some rides? The second moto it was freaking sights. Like I, I remember watching him at like fifteen minutes, and him actually getting passed by. And, like, Keely Russ being pretty close to him in about 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden, he just started tearing through guys. Dude, right? And it, it was awesome. You know, he passed Pike. He passed through a bunch of faster guys. And, yeah. And like, and, and like you said, Jimmy, literally, like, he wasn't going anywhere 15, 20 minutes no, in. <laughs> I, I thought he was done. I thought he was tired and he was just going to pack it in and go race his GNCC race tomorrow. And then I look back and I'm like, Fights is like, did he fall? Is he a lap down? And he's just burning through the guy. He's like, all right, whatever. And he goes and gets second the next day at the GMCC. Like, yeah. Animal. Yeah, that was impressive. Weege was probably cheering him on. I haven't watched the show yet, but. Oh, we, we threw in some love. Oh, GNCCs, you know that. Oh, yeah. I was literally cheering him on from the side of the track. I'm probably getting <laughs> trouble for that, but. <laughs> I was going nuts. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see for sure. And yeah, Anderson, uh, a great ride by him. Going forward, Baggett five three uh, fourth overall, another strong showing by Blake Baggett. How about Phil Nicoletti leading laps in the first moto? What did he lead five laps? Like it's pretty cool. Yeah, right? it was solid. He Dude. was pulling away. Yeah, he Phil- wanted in practice too. Oh wait, he led two oh, laps. Yeah. Oh, he led just two laps. It seemed like five, Phil. <laughs> yeah, um, Phil probably felt like it was twenty laps. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Uh, he led two laps. All right, so we'll back it down on that. But uh, yeah, his, how about his practice crash? Right? Jeez, oh, oh. it was so good. Hurt his. Of course, bum- I put the camera on Filthy Phil. Yeah, hurt, and then hurt, he goes and wads it. Hurt his bum bum too. Weege, uh, can you clear up the camera thing because my Twitter was blowing up 
Um, this camera's been in use every single race this far, this season. And because of the Chad Reed thing, now there's a Fram cam, and everyone's freaking out. How come Phil gets to use his own camera? Blah, blah, blah. Will you explain this for people? Well, I mean, I can explain it, but I don't know if it's going to if it's gonna clarify it. It's sure, just... it'll clarify it. No one wants to... This, this, this moto camera, TV camera, it's a little heavy. No one wants it's to... It's no live one... stuff. It's for live TV. I ran one in Supercross at Daytona. It's, yeah, but nobody wants know. to wear it, really. Like, it's not, a, it's not a benefit. It's a little heavier. It's heavy it's... As, no, it's heavy as hell. You just know you're going to get TV time, so you stick it on your helmet for your sponsors. <laughs> right, but people are thinking, like, oh, they, sell, they, can, they, won't get, they, they keep the money from Chad Reed, but, oh, Fram, it's fine for Phil to get Fram money. That's not... Well, okay, first of all, Phil's not getting a dollar of that money. Yeah, but That's people not... think they are. Okay, yeah, it's just... If the TV, if we're alive at NBC and the network and producers have the budget to bring in this much more expensive helmet camera, when we get the NBC show, we get a larger budget. We even have two, like we normally have the one guy shooting the start with a handheld camera, one guy shooting the, the podium. We have an extra guy. So if you watch the show, like we were able to show Muscan getting on his bike in the pits, riding out during the 450 moto, like. We just get extra cameras and extra budget. Like, mm-hmm. that helmet camera is expensive. So you get an NBC show like we did. They get this live helmet cam, and then they sell it to somebody. I think in this case, Fran's a serious sponsor. So it's like when you're signing them up, you're like, you're going to get a whole shot award, or you'll get the RC hard charger. Award. Oh, you can get a helmet cam. That's what you get for your investment. When we send it to Georgia at the start of the show, it's called the GoPro starting gate. Or people ask, why do you show the freaking track map before every moto? Because it's sponsored by Kawasaki, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Every single thing you're seeing, the whole shot, everything is sponsored by something. So there's a live helmet cam because it looks good at NBC, and one of the sponsors gets that. Phil doesn't get that money. It's just... But, hold on, this camera's been at every race, has it not? No, not this year. That's not true. Oh. This is the first time. It was supposed to be... I mean, there's for sure a reason why... Why they had a JGR rider. I swear I saw... JGR, the Fran-sponsored team. I swear I saw Alex Martin running it at a race. Like Lake Water. He ran it at this race. No, but I thought he knew yeah, it well, the Yeah, well, there's not a Fram-sponsored 250F rider there, pal. Right. Okay, so... You're, so Basically, uh-huh. it's... Uh, so I mean, it's just got to be a partnership. Is Phil getting money directly? Is JJR getting money directly? No. But Fram is going to sponsor this. they got to find a ri- willing rider in each class. Shocker, it wasn't Barsha or Pike. <laughs> Phil, sure. who also rode in the Wiener Schnitzel mascot costume, <laughs> has to be the volunteer. No, more, um, like, more like Coy is like, Phil, here, you're putting this camera on. I'm sh- yeah, I'm sure, exactly. Um, but I understand why people will be confused. It's just, it's not the same thing. This is the, the TV network coming in and saying, somebody's wearing this camera for the TV show. Make somebody do it. Yeah, I just, people on Twitter, I, I, my bad, I thought it was used earlier, so I do understand maybe a little more of the people complaining. I yeah. just thought they. I thought they just noticed it because of the Chad Reed debacle. Right. So well, it didn't help that uh, of nothing more than irony and coincidence. Like we show Reed because he's the RC Hard Charger Award winner, uh-huh. and we have to show that because it's sponsored by Deltran Batteries. And then the very next shot, because we basically have to run through. Here are the eight sponsored things we have to show before the race starts. What's next on the list? The Fram Cam. So we literally go from a shot of Reed on the start without a helmet cam on. To a shot of Phil with a helmet cam on. That's not a GoPro. <laughs> I was like, you guys are killing me with this. You know, and later in the first though. moto, first moto, we show Reed getting lapped by Dungey, and what's the very next shot? 
still <laughs> riding with his camera. And I'm like, come <laughs> on, guys. What's that, Jimmy? Reed should. I mean, he should know better. He's a team owner. You're not going to make a bold statement like, oh, I'm just going to pull out. Like, dude, you got way too many other sponsors that you can't yeah. screw over. You know, like, it was never going to happen. Like, why even, why even, you know, throw right. a thread out there like you're going to pull out? I mean, I get it. It's frustrating. And um, do I feel like he should be able to run his own camera if he's not using footage? Yes, but that's just not how it works. And sorry, you know, like yeah, no, yeah. rules are rules. It's just like, man, I would love to freaking run every stoplight when I don't see there's cars coming the other way. But guess what? You're getting trouble for doing. Well, I mean, Will, Will Hahn tried to run one. Factory Honda tried to run one. I mean, this is H and H tried to run one. Chad knew all this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I don't. Well, I'm sure the same agent dealing with all most of the stuff too. Yeah, I've been told the agent had nothing to do with this deal, and he knows the rules. And other people tell me the agent knows all about this, and they're they're loving this behind the scenes. So I don't know, but whatever. Um, so Reed did race though, and it didn't go well. It did not go yeah. well. Fell in the first turn, the first moto, and worked his way up to twentieth. Second moto, do, do we know why that, what happened? Anybody know? Did he crash or did he just he ride? He battling with the privateer Cali guys. Him, him, Chisholm, and yeah, but did he just ride? Lemoyne, or did he just pull off the track? It down. Did he just pull off? I don't know. Like, Weege, any idea? No, no, no idea. This this could get ugly. Why can't before it's all said and done? Well, there's a lot going against it. I mean, the helmet can thing is obviously a huge deal, but uh, now Grant's hurt. That hurts big time. Um, because I think he would have been really good outdoors. And uh, now Reed isn't getting the results. You know, it's like three or four summers in a row. Like, it's just, it seems to be coming clear that the outdoor thing's just not working for him like it used to. So there's just so many things Mm -hmm. colliding right now. Yeah. He was riding good at Glen Helen, though. I know. I thought so, Glen Helen was good. Yeah, yeah. But, Mathis, when you had that interview with him after Thunder Valley, he wouldn't even take credit for that. I no. mean, he said that he wasn't riding good and the feeling wasn't good and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, I, exactly. I was like, huh? Like, well, I, I, to me, a, yeah. f- a fifth place for Chad Reed is fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know? But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's not, I mean, he's got a fourth. He probably would have been around top five in that second, Glenn Helimoto, if not for that getting hit in the, with the rock or whatnot. But yeah, the other motos just haven't been good. No. How, how, let's get back to Phil, though. How about Phil? Jimmy, what's uh, what's your thoughts on Phil? He's getting... no, he's just, you know Phil's such a good starter, and I feel like he does have the talent on a bike. And when you start starting up front every moto and like seeing the pace, you know first you see the pace, the leader's pace for you know two corners, and then you get another good start and you see the leader's pace for half the track, and then you get a good start and you see you know you just. Mm-hmm. Keep on like learning that that pace up front, and it just starts to come. I mean, I'm a firm believer in like, dude, if you're a good starter, you're gonna eventually figure out how to ride up front. And right. I think that's where Phil, since he's gotten on that JGR bike, they all get good starts. And on top of that, Phil's always been a good starter. Mm-hmm. So that just puts him in position every moto to to run out front. And now he he expects to be. I think Phil's every moto expects to be inside the top ten, no matter where he starts. Yeah. And with good starts, he feels like he's a top five guy every moto. It's so crazy. I think to th- that just goes. It just he's got confidence and he's getting starts. But like Pike, it's crazy to think that that's where we're at in this world. 
Yeah, Pike and Nicoletti are our top five dudes nowadays. Just, yeah, just stamp it. What happened? Just stamp what happened it. to Jerry Albertson is what I want to know. <laughs> what? Yeah, we, what happened to Albertson? Like, what happened? Yeah, uh, yeah, what happened? What happened? <laughs> is that you to say to hey, JT? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm coming out of retirement. Don't worry about it. You know what, Jimmy? You should switch bike brands again. I think that's, I think that's really what you need to do. I think you... I haven't even ridden the Yamaha Outdoors yet. You don't even know what I'm about to bring to you. <laughs> Um, Brayton was good. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm dropping down. I made the decision. <laughs> All right. Just yeah. ask Pike. Uh, when you ask Pike why the other profiteers. Are you announcing this now? Are you making this public? No, I'm dropping down to the novice class. Oh, novice class. Okay. Trying to get yeah. a win. What, what's well, funny is, novice. ask Pike, you know, why he's been able to make this jump that other profiteers aren't able to. And uh, you'll get a nice politically correct Answer as usual. <laughs> a lot of respect I, for his other privateer brethren. I uh, I like interviewing Pike after the races. He hates it. And I walk over there, and he shakes his head at me. He f- gives me the finger. I just start the recorder, and he ends up talking. And it's you never know what you're going to get. And at this point, I just want to keep talking to him. So, <laughs> um, Tickle rode well again. 7-7, seven, seven, so he didn't go as well as he did at Lakewood. But I still thought he rode pretty good. He charged from the back. Both motos a little bit. His starts weren't there. Kind of like Lakewood. He just didn't make it up as far. I thought Brayton had a pretty solid day. We talked about Sipes. Norrin twisted a knee again. He's battling that knee a little bit. So he dropped. He twisted it again? Yeah, he twisted it again in the first moto. Oh. Dropped, he lost a lot of spots. Then he re- regrouped a bit for a tenth. Um, can you imagine getting a shot on factory Honda and then getting hurt right before you really have a chance to show what you can do? Can you imagine oh, no, what dude, that would terrible. be like? That would be the worst thing ever. I can't imagine. Oh, terrible. Can you imagine what a guy would, when a guy goes to bed at night, like lays down and thinks about how he just blew his shot, just just blew it? I know. Poor guy. Um, hey man, at least he was. Uh, at least he is able to race last. That's all those guys over Honda like Freddie a lot. He's, yeah, he's good. Hopefully his knee's not too bad. I mean, you think about it. He had surgery after the season, and I'm thinking I see these pictures of him going in for surgery with his surgery down cap on. I'm uh-huh. like, oh man, that sucks. Right. I can miss the first round, and then like three days later, he's like, "Ah, back out, back testing." <laughs> I, I know, huh? Yeah, I mean, just in time to let the 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 freaking whatever it is, the anesthetic wear off. Right. Um, Cole Seeley's riding pretty well. Dan Bentley told me after the races that he's starting to figure it out a little bit, starting to, to you know, he still wants to see him hanging out a bit more, but he's he's getting the hang of it. He's doing all right. What what what, what do you think, Weege? Where where would you grade Seeley's season? I mean, it started off terrible, but. I'd be pretty pumped on it right now. Like I feel like he's pretty much in that mix uh, mm-hmm. with that, you know, that best of the rest type group. Mm-hmm. Even in the second moto at Lakewood, he was maybe the best of that group. So, considering where the season started and that he's, you know, admittedly not as much of an outdoor guy, like this is a great start. Mm-hmm. I mean, onwards and upwards. Best here. season he's had really period outdoors, if you ask me. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, two fifty or four fifty. You know, who had a bad day besides Chad Reed. Christoph Porcel, um, Porcel, crashing the first moto, uh, made up twenty second, and then the second moto kind of just started in the back and finished there. Not a good day for the three seven seven. Not yeah. sure what was up with that. We did you did you talk to anybody about it or did you? No, no, no I don't know. And uh, he was one of the guys I think that was not pumped on how uh, deep the ruts had been and their, how rough the tracks had been and stuff like that. So I thought this would actually be a lot better for him. Mm-hmm. Another guy I thought at the beginning of the day was going to have a better day and just 
he right. didn't was Will Hahn. Wilbur? Well, 13th in yeah. the first moto was all right. Yeah, his 13th was okay. Second moto didn't go well, though. Yeah. But he qualified ninth, I was thinking. And now the yeah. other guy who qualified really well was Tickle. Yeah, um, yeah, Tickle was fastest yeah, in the first session. I thought he was going to be fastest for a while, and then he ended yeah. up uh, getting past in that second practice session. Yeah, yeah the uh, second one was slightly quicker. Like you talked about earlier, yeah. Jimmy, about the two sessions. They were closer than they'd ever been, though. You're right. I think Tickle's time held up for him in the first one. He didn't get faster. If Barsha, if Barsha hadn't fallen, Weege, in that first moto, where does he finish? Got to start. Does he get the that, that really is the huge question because now that we're batting around Anderson and Baggett, who's the third best guy, mm-hmm. and even mentioning Seeley in that conversation, I think it was only two weeks ago that you thought it would be between maybe two JGR guys. Yeah. Will it be Pike or Barsha? Which one of the two will be the best? Now we're not saying either. Um, now Phil Nicoletti is, is just owning them. Yeah, car- <laughs> carrying the team. So, he did. Uh, he was the best. He finished the best at all the JGR riders this week. Let, let me ask you something, Weege. I think Barsha would have been fine. I think he would have had a pretty good moto. He rode really well to get back to nine. He came through the pack. Yeah. yeah. He hit about a dead spot about 20 minutes. There was yeah. uh there was Barsha and who was the other guy? Maybe it was uh maybe it was Tickle, but there was two dudes going through the pack, kind of like few spots ahead of each other, and they were ripping through it. So, um, um let me he ask went you. off the track early in the second moto too. So, I he almost got to give him an incomplete for a grade. He still I think has the potential to be that third best guy, but yeah. You got to not crash in the first lap. Shaved his head. Um, Shaved his head like like someone's been saying. That's right. Pike just told me that he had a didn't feel it, had a terrible day. I said, but the start's bad. And he's like, yeah, but I don't use excuses. I rode terrible. <laughs> I'm a little worried. Uh, you know, Pike, most of his career has only been able to even make the West Coast rounds. Yeah. Is he? Everyone's always like, I can't wait to get to the East Coast because half these dudes, more than half, live in Florida or something right, like that. Right. Is Pike going to go the other direction? Yeah, I mean, I, I think at RCH he had a good red bud, but I think it was better on the on the West, you know? Washougal's always good for him, too. Right. So I'm wondering in these next couple of rounds if he's going to drop off or, or pick it back up. Right. Um, you were good at Bud Creek last year. Phil told me that uh, he got in Barsha's way in qualifying and ruined Barsha's hot lap. So they went over a jump, and Barsha gave him the finger. I don't know if that was, like, mad or, like, serious finger or sort of, you know, not so – I don't know. And then right after that, Phil ate shit in that – on that triple, and feels like, what's this guy thinking? Like, I'm in his way, he flips me off, then he's still behind me, and I just cartwheel my brains out. He's just like, what's he thinking about me? Like, look at this dude, holding me up and then just eating crap right in front of me, just cartwheeling. So I saw Varsha and Tickle getting into it in practice. Yeah, they were like, yeah. They were, they were getting rowdy over something. Dude, there's a lot of dudes, and I don't know if oh, you... Oh, it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah the Varsha-Tickle thing... Tickle threw a big one-legger at him over the finish. They were both, I think, going to go for a hot lap right then. So they, the turn after the finish, like the very first turn, it would have been their hot lap, they immediately collided. Like one was on the inside, one was on the outside. So they both screwed each other. And then they spent the rest of the lap jacking around. Well, were they really mad, though? I think they were, right? I think it was a little bad. <sighs> I could not tell. It didn't look, for two guys jacking with each other, it looked friendly. Right. Does that make any sense? Um, friendly jacking around. Friendly jacking around. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy, you, you've done that, friendly jacking around. 
Yeah, I've jacked with I've jacked off my friends. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> that's what we that's what we all wanted to hear, right? <laughs> right. That's what we were getting at. Um <laughs> Yeah, I am just coming to come out and say it, but I don't wanna I don't wanna beat around the bush. Um Hey Hey <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> Weege Weege what? We're gonna stay away from the He got bush. George uh, George laughing in the background. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah Weege, Weege you you, you, you know you know this man the best out of all of us, but why is Coy Gibbs so angry? <laughs> is he ever happy? Do you, you ever go by this truck and never hear him complain about something? I think we've fallen into the trap. I can't believe I've been this gullible. I think that's Coy's deal. Right. I think when he gets all negative and everything, and then it gets people mad or they argue, I think when they leave, he snickers like, gotcha. I think that's his deal. I think so, too. And I feel like I've fallen into the trap. (laughs) That guy, he's just always... He he just likes to ride you and make fun of you, and if he can piss you off and get into your skin, mission accomplished. I was walking around, I was walking out with him, and he he had his little youngest kid there. And I don't know the kid's name. Do you know the kid's name? Uh, Weege, the youngest one? Uh, I didn't see. Was that with his kids? I didn't realize. Yeah, he said, uh, son... He's got like 10. Yeah. I think he both. He's like, son, look at this guy here. Just because you have a microphone doesn't mean you're a journalist. <laughs> he was imparting some life lessons to his son about me. So Yeah. Well, it's me. It's every weekend saying how crappy the Nationals are and the TV sucks. And <laughs> the series is stupid. And I'm always confused. I'm always like, you're the one who's spending your own money to do it. How bad can it possibly <laughs> yeah, you're, be? Like, you're the idiot. You're the idiot. doing it right. if it's that bad. Right. Right. But I think... I'm like, no, no, I got to stop going there because he's just trying to get me mad. Why don't you go tell? Why don't you go tell Coach how much of an idiot you are for wasting his money? Right, right, right. Um, Dada. Yeah, go see Dada. All right, hey, let's take a commercial break here on the uh, BTOSports.com RacerX podcast, presented by Fox Racing. Listen to this Race Tech uh, ad. Uh, save yourself some money on uh, some suspension, and we'll be right back here to talk more about Muddy Creek. Hey, thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Race Tech people, Racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with Race Tech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you, eh, probably... 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Race Tech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore. Some of the guys just using uh, Race Tech Privateer Proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Race Tech high performance springs. These springs are called high performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10% at uh, Race Tech? Go to Pulp MX 2015 when you order. You can save 10% at racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast. And we thank you guys. All right. Back to the show. And we're back. BTOsports.com, RacerX Podcast, presented by Fox Racing. Jimmy Albertson on the uh, line, and uh, Jason Wygant talking about some Muddy Creek. Um, all right, 250 class. I can't wait, Jimmy, I'll start with you. I can't wait to see Jeremy and Marvin 
just go at it. We've yet to see it, but they're pretty evenly matched. Uh, to me, anyways, they are, and I, I'm looking forward to the first time that they are just going at it on the yeah, track. Yeah, I know. We haven't seen it yet. Um, do, you sure. pref- do you prefer one guy over the other? Um, just depending on the day, really. I mean, there's been... Mar- I mean, I would say Martin, for the most part, has been the faster one all year, but I felt like... Um, I felt like Marvin was faster this weekend. Marvin was the better rider. He just ran into some, um, some little bit of falls, or I knew he fall down early in that in that second moto. And um, yeah, I mean, he rode awesome coming to the pack. Like, I mean, I really thought that he was gonna he was gonna get so thrilled for that last podium spot. He came from way back, and the first moto, he obviously just he handled them. So. He, we uh, we, for Marvin. we saw Marvin in the press tent in full gear. He couldn't pee. You know, it was USADA drug testing time, and he couldn't pee. And then I said, "What are you doing? We all know who you are. You can get out of your gear." And then he motioned towards a dude, a very serious-looking dude in a polo shirt, sitting there. And he's like, "He's waiting for me to pee. I cannot pee." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, all right." <laughs> so, um, like, I mean, I always have to pee directly after a moto. Like, that's just. No, he, how it is like you just have to pee. So like you think it's like a big stage fright thing? <laughs> no, Marvin being Marvin, he explained to me that he went pee, but it wasn't enough, and he showed me the level. He needed oh. he peed this much, and he needed this much pee. You know, Marvin, mm. very, very friendly, very very nice He's guy. A little guy too. He probably didn't you know urinate that much. <laughs> All right, um, I'm kind of shocked. Like, how could they expect? Man, at the end of a race day, like. How would any of the guys be able to produce? And supposedly if you drink too much water and it's too diluted, that doesn't count either. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. you can't just, like, drink a, you know, a gallon right. of water real quick and then, like, now you have to pee. Like, it has to be legitimate pee somehow. One time, at the end of the day of racing, that might not be possible for anybody. One time at a GP on a, after Saturday qualifying, they were all doing drug testing, and I wanted to talk to Caroli and interview him or talk to him. So Jill, his fiance or girlfriend, led me underneath Jimmy. It was at Lomo, so it was like those that concrete room kind of by the stands uh-huh. there. So Jill led me into there. There was like eight of the top GP riders in the world in there, all drinking water. They're doing jumping jacks to try to pee. I'm just like, okay, this is really weird, but all right, cool. Like I was in there with those dudes, and I was just talking to them. And they're, Paul Lynn's doing jumping jacks, and this dude's doing that, and they're all drinking. They all got water trying to pee. Pretty funny. So yeah, like all the guys over there. I mean, I'm not quite really up to date on how the the drug testing stuff works, but over there, you, you know, you have to keep a log on on where you're going to be, and you know, mm-hmm. basically let them know, like, like you know, where mm-hmm. you're going to be this time, and you have to have it all down to where they can come visit you wherever. And if you're not there, whatever. If you're not there whenever they come to find you and you've written down this is where you're going to be, it's a mm-hmm. huge deal, you know? So yeah. I don't know if it's that serious over here as far as yeah. the... Um, no, they don't. There is, there's, they pick two riders in the U.S. every year to monitor like that. So Oh, they do. Um, I haven't heard who's on the list this year. Jesse Nelson wrote... I think, actually, I think Trey is. Oh, is he? He was on it. I know a couple oh. years ago he was, too. Yeah. Um, Brayton has been. I think Reed and Wyndham, I think. Villapoto has been. Yeah. Has been. Um, they no. also took blood uh, Friday from the top guys, um, and I was mm-hmm. talking to Baggett's dad about it, and it's like kind of difficult because I think a lot of the riders don't even plan on going to the track on Friday. 
uh, Blake was going to go straight from the airport to the Suzuki dealer signing. Mm-hmm. So then he had to go to the track late, you know, after he was probably just planning on getting dinner and going to bed and mm-hmm. throw that in. Um, it's quite complicated when we have these, you know, one-day events, basically, which I'm sure compared to almost anything else you saw to cover. Not many sports have one-day events. Mm-hmm. Um, this, is a, this is a very difficult thing, I think, to pull off. Right. Was this the first test of the year for outdoors? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yep. Uh, Nelson rode great, rode strong. He's been fading a bit in the motos, but not this weekend. He was great in, in the second half of the There's motos. Lot, too. Uh Cirillo, he, he rode good. Um, 5-3 for the kid. He, he was up there in the first moto. He went down pretty hard. That was a harder crash than people think. Went right on his head. Kind of popped out of the rut there. So, um, Plessinger. Plessinger, Weege, led, uh, hold on. He led. He got to halfway, I think. Seven seven laps out of seventeen, so just about yeah. halfway. And then he ended well, up. Fi- yeah, fifteen minutes of the third. I looked yeah. for him. I looked for him after the race to talk to him. I didn't find him. Um, but we did. You talk to him? Like, how did you think? How did you feel? I mean, obviously he got seventh, which on paper, you know, it's a seventh. But uh, yeah, dude, he was. Uh, he, I think he was. Uh, you needed to look for the guy that was floating. He was so pumped. Oh, really? Okay. I just see sunglasses and teeth coming out of the. Star racing truck, just ear to ear grin. Oh, that's good. So pumped. Yeah, look, Jimmy, you know how it is. He, like you said with Phil, you you get up front, you lead some laps. Sure, he got seventh, but now he knows how to do it. He knows he can. It's it's a building process. I mean, I think it's good for him to instead of maybe conserving and getting a fourth or a fifth, you know, leading half the moto and getting seventh. To me, from a team manager standpoint, is a lot more impressive because you know obviously if he can run that pace for seven laps Mm -hmm. he can eventually um you know find the fitness to do it for the whole moto and then all of a sudden you got a race winner on your hands so yeah you know it's always good to see kids out there that's gonna lay it all out and they know even if they know they can't hold the pace that long they're still gonna just go for it so you know i was impressed he's cool it's always cool seeing you know taller riders on the bike too we usually the lights class really, I mean, Cinturillo has actually grown a lot this year, but other than that, really haven't seen anybody too tall in the lights class for a while, and it's cool seeing him out there. I see he must be like 6'2", so it's a little bit different watching him ride than any of the other guys. It's kind of cool. Who knew, Weezy, Jimmy likes watching the tall riders? I didn't know this. Well, it's, <laughs> hey, it is a lot harder for a tall, like, ask Wyndham, ask anybody tall, like, it. it is, bikes aren't built, bikes are built for about anybody who's, Five eight to five ten is like perfect height for a dirt bike. Um, well, that's JT. Why do you say that? It's uh, because I feel like the the riders are getting shorter and shorter as the years go by. No one ever identifies why. So, can you explain when you go into a huge foot deep rutted corner outdoors why it's not an advantage to be tall? Some people know that. Well, I mean, that's really not the big deal. Is the ruts the big deal? Is the fact of you think. Riding, you're basically, it's like squatting <laughs> in a way. Like, uh, you're at the gym squatting. You look at any professional squatter, Olympic squatter, they're all really small because, let's face it, for them to squat, it's less, you're using less, lev- there's less leverage on it. You know, you're not, it's not going to be as heavy on your body. For me to go from sitting down to standing, I have to go a lot deeper in my squat or in my knees to get on the seat, to come off the seat. Therefore, it's 
going to take more energy for me to stand up because I've got a squat lower. That makes any sense at all. No, it does. It does. But the guy that you're replacing on this podcast, longtime privateer in the sport, he'll tell he you never all. Had to stand up. He'll tell you all about how it sucks being short. Whoops, and getting out of getting squirrely and everything else. You know. So yeah, but, I, I mean, mean, I think JT's got he's got small legs on top of on top of being short with his is, with his true religion jeans. Yes, <laughs> which is just no bueno. <laughs> um. Hey, Oz is going more and more in that direction. J two was born ten years too early. He'd be uh, almost yeah. average height. Right, right, right. Um, hey, um, Osborne told me he probably raced Muddy Creek fifteen times in twenty years. Fifteen times. No, a year. he said fifteen times a year. Fifteen times a year for twenty years. Yeah. So what happened, Osborne? Nine nine. No, he rode big. <laughs> no, he did. Yeah, he did. So far back. I mean, he probably got the hard charger award. Maybe. No, no, no. no he probably I think, did. I think the thirty. Uh, I, think the, I think the. Oh yeah, Moosecan would have got it. Mm-hmm. What about Alex Martin? He was third in the points after Glenn Allen. He has now been dead last in four straight motos, or nearly dead last, or basically dead last in four straight motos. He's twelfth in the points. He's on suicide watch. I texted with him today. He's on suicide watch. He's riding well, though. But what place is he in points now? Twelfth. Oh, oh, oh! That's troll. terrible. Poor troll. He's riding so good. He is, dude. He's shredding right now. Like Jimmy, did you see him at all? Like cut through the pack? Like he was on it, man. Well, yeah, I know. In the first moto, he um, he got lapped by Moosecan on about lap like about fifteen minutes into the race because he. Not only did he crash in the first turn, it took him forever to get up, but then he crashed like right before you go into the fly bridge mm-hmm. or the fly arch, and he's turned around backwards trying to get his bike started. So he got lapped about 15 minutes, and then never, I mean, Jeremy never got him. And like Jeremy wasn't too far back, you know. So in about 15 plus two minutes of racing, Jeremy maybe only caught about seven seconds on him. Um, which is awesome. You know, he was running, he was on pace to, to be a third place guy that moto, mm-hmm. um, but obviously he is riding basically a lap down. So mm-hmm. going to the second moto, I talked to him on the starting line and interviewed him and he seemed to be pretty, pretty ready to go. But then also I look up and he's like back in 29th, 28th place. Like, can't, can't do that. There's too many good guys. Mm-hmm. It was no, his first turn crash again. Yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah. And then with the Fram helmet cam, you even hear him kicking the bike, trying to roll it down that hill, trying to get it to start. Like, the pack's gone. Right, right. And then you hear, kick, 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 kick. And well, I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, Two is, motos in a row. This is going to be in my column on Wednesday, but I kind of went last night through the lap charts and counted, and he's passed around 88 dudes in four motos. Oh, That's wow. where I have him sort of finish, you know, after the first lap or, or where I saw him, visually saw him at the first lap to where he ended up. Has Eight. he ever been passed? He probably hasn't been passed in the last four motos either. <laughs> no, probably not. Well, no. maybe when he's been lapping, that's about it. But, yeah, that's a hard a record. Uh, someone getting back-to-back mechanical problems and back-to-back um, <laughs> first turn crashes. First turn crashes in back-to-back weekends. Yeah. I don't like that first turn at Muddy Creek. We talked about it with JT, I think, on the on the Moto 60 show or with somebody. Um, it's, a, it's a sketchy first turn, isn't it, Jimmy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure. I mean, you... Um, it's like when you got a deep uphill start too. As soon as you chop the throttle, like mm-hmm. you slow down so quick. So a lot of times, you know, you're out front and you go to like break for the turn. You don't realize how fast you're slowing down. So right. all of a sudden, like 
you're hauling ass up this hill, you're clicking in the fourth, and then you chop the throttle at the brakes. It's like you slow down a lot quicker than you think, and the guys behind you just pile into the back, yeah, and then <laughs> right. all of a sudden we got a big first-turn pile-up. I think there was a pretty much a fall every single moto there. Weege, it's too bad that uh, Oldenburg suffered some bike problems because he was good. Oldenburg, <laughs> on that new new team, Weege, he's... Gone to New Oh, yeah, definitely a bit of boost. No. Definitely a bit of boost. Yeah, no, he uh, looks like a new... Glad he caught a break, finally. He looks like a new rider oh, out there. Yeah. yeah, he looks like a new new rider yeah. out there. Mathis, now you're he's the one that said... some good bikes. <laughs> That's right. Mathis, you're the one that said his deal is top 12s is what the team is looking for. Yeah, three... line in the sand. Three top 12s in the first five races, and he got seven... It's impossible. He got one. Um, I think he's gotten one, and so he's not going to be able to. He'll be able to get two if he does it this weekend. But that's not three. But that doesn't automatically mean he's can. They'll look at it and figure it out and all that. But uh, that's well, he what... got twelve at Glen Helen. Yeah, I said that. With like a, I said that he got twelve at Glen Helen with a twelve sixteen or something. Okay, like that, all right. 15. Listen, hey, Barry Bitter. Listen, Barry Bitter. I'm just saying. Like, I mean, <laughs> here's my whole my whole perspective on the oh, thing. Oh, stop it! If you're gonna. Let me talk okay. a little bit. And I've said it before. I have a hundred percent confidence in Mitchell Olin's capability. I think that he is a great rider that can do great things and can eventually be a winner. That being said, he picked the wrong time to take a bet on himself because I know how hurt he was coming out of Supercross, and I know all the injuries he had and not being able to truly, you know, really prepare and get ready, and then he goes and hops on a brand-new bike, which he rode my KTM at the end of last year when I had it all set up, and I felt like it was a really good bike, and he absolutely hated the feel of the KTM. So, you know, for him to go on a bike that he knows the steel frame is different and, you know, doesn't quite like the, the feel of it, and then go in after kind of being injured a lot in Supercross, it's just like, dude, the cards are so stacked against him, he should have just... I mean, I'm obviously going to say that. I feel like he would have been better off building with us. And then, you know, mm -hmm. instead of going and hopping up in there and then all of a sudden mm -hmm. falling down. Mm -hmm. right. I'm done, okay? That's it all I'm going to say. I talked to Mitchell this weekend. Good. You know, we, good to hear. He's good. Um, and George is kicking me out of the bedroom because he says I'm being too loud. Hey, um, Hayden Melross. You want to talk about a guy that helped me win fantasy moto this week? Hayden Melross. 15-15, kid from Australia, privateer kid. Guess who's... Didn't Mel Ross and Jackson Richardson end up battling the two Australians? Yeah. Yeah, they both motos. They found each other. Yeah. Um, There's certain guys. You're seeing the, the Cunningham... Uh, uh, Lemoyne. Cunningham, Lemoyne. Lemoyne. Yeah. They seem to find each other. The two Australians seem to find each Anderson, other. Anderson, Baggett. Baggett, Anderson. Right. Yeah. You know who were battling the first few weekends were the Hahn brothers. Yeah. Can we talk I about? Up, I'm like, dude, Tom Can we talk about how Badling. at Glen Helen, Cincerillo's right side panel fell off, at Lakewood, Aldridge's right side panel fell off, and this weekend, Matt Lemoyne's right side panel, another Kawasaki, fell oh. off. They gotta figure out this issue. <laughs> it's, I don't know if it's like a Cowie thing. Or no wonder why Villapoto didn't win the GPs. Oh, exactly. Bingo. Side panel issues. You know Hayden Melrose. You know who's. Coaching him, right? You know who's sort of working with him? Tim Ferry. Thank you. Thank oh, you. really? Really? I just, I just guessed. Uh, <laughs> no, I figured if you, I had no idea. No, yeah, the great Tim Ferry is taking has taken Mel Ross under his wing 
and shown him the way on how to be a winner, how to be a champion. And I'd say it's working pretty well. 15-15, bro. Speaking of the great Tim Ferry, RJ Hampshire rode really well second moto. Hampshire and Jordan Smith had good second motos. God, Jordan Smith had good first moto, but did you see him go backwards on the track in the first moto? No. He got that rollers right before the triple step up. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, he gets squirrely in the rollers, and he's got a terrible start, so the guys are already coming back the other way. And he shoots off to the left side of the track, and he is going backwards right before that drop-off. And everybody is just like, I mean, the live announcers that we were doing, and it was just like, oh, I mean, I couldn't help but just scream over the, I didn't know what to do, so I just flipped the mic on and screamed. <laughs> but, um, then, okay, well, let me finish the story. Okay. So he gets back on the track. Instantly as he gets back on the track, gets bumped off the track again, and he's over some banners. So then he's powering down the other side of the track. So then he finally gets on the part of the track where he was riding on backwards at one point and then eats crap. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, man. But he actually ended up coming back and doing decent the first moto after all that. Weege, is that what you recommend um, on for your broadcasting? Just turn the mic on and scream? Yeah, I knew yeah. you were going to ask that. As my professional uh, advice is yes. <laughs> when in doubt, turn the mic on and scream. That's us. Scream. That's, that's, I, that's us doing the arena. Words, so I just yelled. That's us doing the arena cross broadcast. Why can't not you, me and JT, just screaming? <laughs> oh yeah, Jimmy. When we did the show, when uh, when the, the the block pass to end all block passes came from Hayes, there was just five minutes of just oh my god i cannot believe it unbelievable that was insane but no explanation of what actually <laughs> you know what's funny is um growing up we used to always race at oak hill and they had this announcer at the oak hill amateur national and you know just the texas guys right or whatever he'd be like oh we got matt lamorne and kyle cunningham they're battling out there oh 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 and by the way, hot dogs are at a discount now. The concession stand. <laughs> like he would just completely like he would scream right. and then just go on to absolutely talking about the pits or right. something else. Uh, Christian Craig uh, didn't really back up his straight Lakewood ride. Um, bike problems in one motor, right? And I think he just crashed the other one. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I talked to him. He he said he was sick all week coming in. Didn't mm-hmm. have any energy. First motor, he just pulled off. He was tired. Wow. Uh, yeah, second one second he said he Yeah. I saw him pulling the mechanics area, and they were, like, checking his chain. Right. Like, no, no, no. Either second moto, he had problems with the chain. Yeah. Second moto, he had problems with the chain uh, and did go back out and finish, I think, 29th. But the first but moto, what, he what just said. What type of problems do you have with the chain in, in, unless it's off the bike? No, I don't know. It was very. He, he didn't have much of an explanation. Um, I mean, I'm not saying he's lying he just didn't know he's like something with the chain guide or chain roller i don't know and he said he pulled in the mechanics and went back out hey uh I see what yeah you're his mechanic was you're kind of shaking his head over there alex yeah. fry made his debut i didn't know he was a black dude did you guys know that <laughs> yeah of course i didn't i don't follow the amateurs i think i've seen photos of him but i didn't know that that's cool i don't see color so no, I don't know what you're talking okay, about. Okay, here we go. Yeah, that's cool. Color. I had no idea. Good for him, I guess. Um, he was a colored rider. Is is he? Uh, color's orange, Mathis. That's right. You racist. No, mentioning a guy's color is racist. I I, I didn't know. He, you know, he's Mathis is obviously a hockey fan. Why? Why do you say that? There's no black people in hockey. <laughs> um, 
You are a racist. What did you make of his debut? Bike I problems. Mean, bike problems in one moto, right? He scored points, though, right? Yeah, he got 19th in the second moto. Hey, all right. I mean, I don't think he was that. He wasn't that great of an amateur. Weege, yeah, Weege, where do you stand on his, you know, his prospects here? Because, again, I didn't even know the guy was black, so what do I... I would not have been buying stock coming in. No? Okay. All right, he's on... No. A, he's on I feel a, like he's fast sometimes, and he crashes a lot, so we'll see. Yeah, he's on the, the you know, Orange, Orange Brigade team. I think KTM's kind of got to be bummed. I mean, I don't mean to... Actually, I do. I'm going to talk some crap. I think they got to be bummed on their last two amateur guys. They've kind of picked with that deal with... Uh, you know, he had Savachi... Um, do that deal the first year, and he was crushing it. Then now they picked up Dakota Alex, who had struggled to kind of score points last year and still isn't doing too great this year. And they got Dakota Alex, which, you know, scoring points the first outdoor national is good, but I think they expect more out of him, too. And Baker's really been the guy that's doing the best out of all of them, which wasn't even supposed to do this deal. Oh, yeah. yeah Baker's been good. I mean, um, I think anyways. Yeah, he's been. Yeah. yeah, no, Baker's been good, but he wasn't even slated to do the deal. Right. You know, he just kind of got dropped into it last minute. Right. Um. All right. That's my thoughts. Yeah. No. Hey, that's that's all right, Jimmy. You're a media darling now. So now you're gonna get people pissed off at darling. you, darling. Who even says media darling? I never even heard that. Uh, we always say it. Actually, we we've probably said it for 14 different people over the years. No. Um, okay. That makes me feel special. Uh, yeah, exactly right. Chase Stoller was the last media darling. So, uh, uh, oh, by the Kenny way, Kenny Watson. Kenny Watson was a media. Darling. Oh, Kenny Watson was a media darling too for a little while. That's um, right. Yeah. The the by the way, speaking of Chase Stoller, the X Games came and it was it just me? Am I just too old? Did I not care? But I felt like they, I didn't know they were going on. I didn't really hear much. I didn't know what was going happening. I didn't know what was happening. I I, I had no interest in flat tracking or. Enduro cross that much? I, we the flat track deal was strictly a Harley Davidson setup. We what do you Harley think? Davidson, Harley Davidson sponsored that race and said, "Hey, look, we're trying to get young people on our brand, and we need you to put something of it in that people can mm-hmm. use the Harley Davidson motorcycle in." And that's why we saw a flat track. All right. I feel um, like X Games has become. Everything that the extreme lifestyle would rail against, mm-hmm. it is now the, hey, anyone looking for exposure or young demographic, give us a call. Right. Oh, um, for sure. It's so retarded. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't mean, I'm going to talk some more shit. All right, let's do it. Um, man, Twitch, he cannot whip a dirt bike anymore, at least not on that ramp today. And it was just, gosh, it was like hard to watch because I mean uh, looking back a few years ago when he did win yeah the votes may have been a little screwy but at least he could throw down a little bit but he kept on trying to throw I mean you guys watched it right I didn't watch it I, I didn't know uh, I, I didn't know what's going on both you guys didn't watch it well, he kept on trying to throw these like opposite whips but they just look like I don't know it looked like he like brought his front end too high and was having to tap his rear brake and it was just like golly mm-hmm. and then you just like you were saying Mathis, like, I watched it and was just completely, I kind of just turned it off because it was like, I mean, it's like they, like you were saying, they create events. They're like, oh, well, these guys aren't racing and they're popular, so let's put them all in cars. Yeah, just, just, I don't know. Again, maybe maybe it's just me. I'm just getting old and lame or whatever. Maybe I already am old and lame, but I just, yeah. 
Like more than ever, I'm like, come on! Like, who? This event feels like it's jumped the shark. We yeah. even with like the skateboarding bigger. It's like, all right, we're mm-hmm. just gonna watch Bob Berkowitz like break himself again and then win a medal. Like that's like it's something just we've seen it like every year. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you know it, it is incredible, but it's like God, it's almost like. I don't know. Any type of freestyle to me, like, I give it up to those guys. They're freaking gnarly, but it's so repetitive. Um, even now when they're doing such gnarly tricks, they're doing double backflips and flares, and it's just like, but it's just not racing. Mm-hmm. And it, that's why I just can't get into it. It's just so weird to me that, I mean, these are the sports that they use the term core for, and motocross included. Like, there's this badge of honor of like you know this is our lifestyle we don't do it because it's popular we're not mainstream this is off the side and before like when it started it was like here's all these sports that already existed and we're finally going to give them their due Mm -hmm. these are the athletes and the sports they've done for their entire lives now it is the 180 degree opposite of that of we're going to invent sports that don't exist to jam people or companies in that need the exposure or you know We'll have Rusty Wallace drive an off-road truck and <laughs> rally cars and off-road trucks really even fit the extreme thing at all, really. Yeah. It's yeah. It's like, you want to talk about the two most supposed to be. The two most yeah. unextreme two-wheeled sports, enduro cross and flat track. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no <laughs> air. The two that are based on not yeah, having jumps. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, Go jump some logs bring, and hit some. Bring turns. bring back biker Sherlock. Bring him back. <laughs> oh, street luge? Are you kidding me? Yeah, like, that's extreme, bro. Yeah. Oh, how about rock climbing or freestyle skydiving? <laughs> oh. Isn't it all? Sky surfing? Isn't it all? All right. In well, their defense, I'm going to say I don't know what else they can do. I mean, if mm-hmm. they just stuck with the same six sports every year, would it be popular after 20 years? It probably would have. How, how, know, how old? So I don't know what they're supposed to do. Here's my. I don't know, Mathis. You know how to run a camera, and that's in the skydiving competition. You have to have a cameraman in the competition. That was part of the deal. You remember those? No, I don't, but I'm in. They um, judge the camera guy, and here's, the, 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 the whole deal is for the footage. So I'm thinking we can make a run back at that. Here's, here's what I say about that. Like, and this is the same thing I said about NASCAR. Now, you can go ahead and get all mad at me, people. A few years ago, not that long ago, Mark Martin was a very good driver, a championship contender, and he was 50 years old, okay? Any sport, that's proven. You're 50 years old, you lack physical strength, and when you do, you lack coordination, you can't see as good, your body's declining at 50 years old. This is a known fact. Yet Mark Martin was able to be still a championship contender into his 50s. How hard can the sport be? That's my point. Okay, same thing with this with this. X Games. Bob Burnquist is probably 50 years old. And he's still meddling and still doing well. How tough can it be? How hard can it be? Well, here's my whole he's 50 thing years old. that is Bob Burnquist has a name built up when the sport was popular. And X Games was probably a little more popular back then. And he's built this name so he's actually able to make money doing it. These young kids yeah, they but, don't have the name, therefore they can't get the endorsements to make money to do it full-time, so people end up doing other things, and they don't end up getting 
good at sports where there's a challenger for him. And Bob Burnquist, that's what he does. And it's what he gets paid. It's what yeah, he gets but, paid but he also, but he actually does well at these events. That's my point. He actually, I agree with you 100%, but he's also very good at these events. He, he medals. And yeah, but wins. There is, think about it. It's just like anything else. If the, if, if the prize amount or the, the end goal of being the best big air skateboarder was going to bring you this fortune and, you know, it was such a huge event, then there would be more people doing it, and then there would also be more people does, challenging and being better than Bob Bernquist at 50 years old. Does Bob take time off work, I guess? How does he get time off work to go to the X Games? Uh, Bob doesn't work. I know, I'm kidding, I'm joking. I was going to make a joke about being a grocery bagger or not, but I'm, I'm joking. No, he, um, you know what I'm thinking? Actually, now that, Jimmy, you bring that up, I think this is a big problem. If you look at the X Games started, it was, what, like 95 or six or something like that yeah. um now and it was at its hugest maybe those first five years or so yeah exactly. with the advent of youtube and internet video i actually think that's what killed it because well it's stupid before, because he did bike with spiker sherlock and we all knew exactly who he was talking about <laughs> absolutely everyone you hear street lose you know biker sherlock now yeah. all the crazy stuff that you're like do you remember when tony hawk did the 720 or Pastrana did this. 900. Yeah. Nine, yeah, 900, sorry. So the, the only place where these crazy things were happening or being seen were in the X Games once a year. That was it. Now there's just crap being put on YouTube that's insane literally every day. So Good call. it's just completely watered down at the X Games. I don't know. Like I said, in their defense, a lot of it is I don't know what they're supposed to do to make it what it once was. Yeah. yeah, I think motocross losing their or freestyle motocross losing their best trick was kind of a slam to people watching because, like, let's face it, people watched because there was a good chance someone was just gonna freaking. I mean, there was someone was gonna eat it so hard they were gonna be true leaving the ambulance and. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I, think, I hate to say it, but people like Carnage, and yeah. you know that's why you see all the Supercross commercials just have people wadding it left and right, and all the NASCAR commercials has all these pile ups because well, that's, to, how, that's how the world works. <laughs> I'd like to see uh, an X Games event, like which brand of bike is Albertson on now? Extreme switching of that brands. Would be, it would just be a poll. <laughs> Um, <laughs> be an audience vote. Oh, by the way, uh, Shane McElrath went ten ten this weekend for twelfth overall. You want to talk about a kick in the nuts? Ten ten, twelve overall. Twelfth overall. Sometimes I always call him. Sometimes bonus position. Sometimes a ten ten would get you like sixth in the lights in the TVD class. You know, so yeah, I think it, it happened this year. Didn't it happen at Hangtown or something? Mm, like yeah, somebody did. No, Plessinger went like seven eight for fifth overall or something. Yeah. No, you're thinking of Anderson going three seven for third overall. No, I'm thinking of Plessinger going like eight seven for fifth overall. Well, three seven for third overall is more impressive. Well, whatever. So, all right, whatever. I'll, yeah, whatever. We'll just get JT back on the pod. Um, all yeah. right, Jimmy Albertson and Jason Wygant. Um, Wygant, are are you at, are you doing this KTM dealer show tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow is actually the bigger show. This is uh, mostly okay. John Eric Burleson or Jeb, as he's known. The, uh, you um, you yep. track somebody down, Jeb if it okay. Jeb if it has to be because Jeb was there when we won. He was well, Jeb was there. Yeah, Jeb was Jeb was doing something in the company when 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 we won. Okay. So you you get someone 
to to acknowledge this win. Someone. When was this again? Two thousand. High point. Huh. I mean, and Kelly doesn't live too far from there. You should just invite him down. Yeah, Indy. Right. They were. Um, we did have live updates. KTM sweeping all the motos in Canada today. Yeah. No, they didn't. Yep. Be, my my guy won the last moto, so stop that. Who? They said one one both motos. No. Yeah. No, they won. No, they, Deep, they won both Deep motos. He won the second moto. No, he didn't. He didn't. I don't think so. You know what? I think he did. Yeah, Beef won the second moto. I was texting him, told him how good of a job he did. Yeah, I think Beef did win. So, suck it, KTM. Yamaha, arm energy racing on the rise. All of a sudden, KTM's facts don't seem to be correct. They're not really lining Mm -hmm. up, are they? Ooh, yeah, they like to win when they didn't. Yeah, they like to to talk about wins that they didn't get, and then they don't like to talk about wins that they did get. Oh, ironically. (laughs) Well, at some point, I think you're pretty much saying that Smith won both motos that day, too, so... And Beef said he would have won the first one if he wouldn't have stalled out. So, I who mean, are we talking about? Beef? Matt Gerke, Beef, Beef, Matt Gerke. Oh, Beef. Yeah, he's Gerke. Gotcha. He did sound like he was saying Beast, but he has a bit of a lisp. Beast. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I got called. I got a lisp on the show the other day, and I had no idea. And then I asked Georgia. I'm like, Georgia, do I do I have a lisp? And she's like, Are you is that a serious question? Of course, you have a lisp. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Great news. I didn't know that for 26 years. Yeah, 26 years later, Albert finds out he has a list. Well, technically, I haven't been talking since I was born, so. Right. We're going to so, call it. Why can't can you, can you Can you get Jeb or someone there to correct this issue we have? Maybe I'll go find Selvaraj. That'd be good. <sighs> well, if it, if it has to be him, I doubt he remembers. He's pretty clueless. So I'm not sure if you remember, but, yeah, if you can mention it, that'd be great. Fantastic. I will find someone to, to break this down. Math is tuned. Thank you. BTOsports.com, RacerX podcast, Muddy Creek wrap-up with uh, Jason Wygant, Jimmy Albertson, presented by Fox Racing, by the way. All right, thanks to both of you guys, and uh, we'll see you this weekend at High Point. See ya. Yep. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as... The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbic is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. 
if they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts.